1: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as analysis and insight into football's burning issues. I'm Johnny McFarlane and I'm back in the hot seat as guest host for another episode of Red Hot Football Action. Joining me as ever, transfer match Duncan Castles and Guru of Deals, Ian McGarry. Chaps, it's always great to join you.
2: The band is back together, Johnny. Kaiser Duck returns. <laughs> quack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me a quack. I'm a doctor as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, people will be delighted to know that we have got plenty to sink our teeth into. So we're just going to go straight into it. And we start with Spurs. They're looking for a new boss after the departure of Jose Mourinho, and Daniel Levy isn't resting on his laurels. Ian, you have news on several bosses who've already been spoken to by the Tottenham chairman.
2: Indeed, Johnny. We start with a big blow for Spurs because Julian Nagelsmann, the RB Leipzig manager, has agreed to join Bayern Munich with Hansi Flick, resigning this summer to join the national team of Germany. Now, if Daniel Levy had done his homework, um, and we assume that maybe he did some of it, but not all of it, he would have realised that uh, Nagelsmann actually is a Bavarian. He is born into a town just outside of Munich. His family still live there. He has a house there. And it was always his ambition to join uh, Bayern. And therefore joining Spurs was kind of a second... Uh, choice for him with regards to what his next move in management is. At 33 obviously he's still quite young uh, and uh, to join Bayern Munich is a big, big ask and a task but something obviously which he relishes. Uh, It is our information at the Transfer Window podcast that Gareth Southgate, the England manager, uh, his representatives have been contacted with regards to the possibility of him. Uh, becoming the next Tottenham Hotspur boss. That, of course, will be complicated by England's participation in the Euros this summer. However, it is Daniel Levy's intention to employ a younger, more attacking-minded coach, uh, and therefore that's why Southgate is in the frame. And someone who Levy admires as level-headed, but also with ambition, and as I said, a philosophy of football, which Spurs want to implement, especially with a, their younger players coming through. Um, he's not the only name on the list. Uh, Ralph Ranick, um, who, who is much more experienced and older, uh, is being considered. But Duncan, um, a surprise choice, perhaps, uh, with regards to uh, a potential successor uh, who is currently
0: unemployed. Well, look, I think they've, they've got themselves into a difficult position. They've got themselves in a difficult position in the timing of the dismissal. We, we, um, we talked about that in great detail over the last few weeks and, and asked whether Levy would implement a plan of, of sacking Mourinho before the League Cup final to prevent him having the chance of winning that trophy, ending that 13-year trophy drought and make it more difficult to change. We also reported that Nagelsmann's agent had made himself available the club before Bayern um, looked like being a job that he could take. Um, I think Levy was expecting to have that as a strong option for him. Uh, The the change backfired in in the sense that uh, Tottenham ended up playing uh, the tactics or elements of the tactics that Mourinho would have put in place against Manchester City just far less effectively. Um, taking their best passer out of the game when they wanted to play counter-attacking football and having just two shots at goal in the in the entire match, um, I think Gareth Southgate would be a a hard ask for all the his, that his status has increased because of what he's done with England and getting to getting them to the semi-finals of the World Cup and and promoting a lot of young players. Um, and doing, a, I guess, a good PR job as manager of the team. Um, Southgate's credentials as a, as a manager in club football, and I think even in international football, are not fantastic. And you, whatever Tottenham do here, they're asking a person to come in and do a better job than two of the most accomplished coaches in world football. Both of them have come to the same conclusion about the squad, which is that the squad needs change. Um, and uh, there has to be some fundamental alterations to the way Tottenham are set up for them to achieve the targets that Levy and um, the owners of the club have been asking and you know, you don't have to do any more than go back to what Maurizio Pochettino was saying on record just a week before the Champions League final talking about massive changes to the, the furniture of the beautiful new house that Levy had built Tottenham being essential um, to see that this this problem is long-standing. And if I was looking for someone who had to make those changes uh, or get the best out of the squad that's presently there, which would be Levy's preference because it will cost less money and finances are limited, particularly since the Super League plan has fallen through, um, Southgate would not be top of the list. Um, be interested to see what Brendan Rodgers Responses given. Brenda Rogers has, has been a, a manager that Levy has admired for a long time and tried to hire several years ago before he went to Liverpool. Um, and and wonder even whether someone who's out of work um, and young and committed to attacking football like Fr- Frank Lampard would be a potential candidate given the difficulties Levy is presented with at present.
2: I think Lampard um, would have. Some problem, Duncan, with regards to his uh, potential reception, both by Tottenham Hotspur fans as a Chelsea legend and former Chelsea manager, but also by Chelsea fans, whom he still has an exceptional relationship with, despite um, his sacking by the club in January. Um, But Frank uh, is someone I know uh, very well, he's pragmatic. He's ambitious. Uh, he wants to progress his coaching career. I don't think he would see crossing the border, if you like, from southwest London to, to north London would be necessarily a deal breaker for him. Um, it's been done before. Um, obviously, Josie Mourinho is the, the latest Spurs manager who also managed Chelsea, Glenn Hoddle did the
0: same thing as well. And, so it's not Andre Villas-Boas an, and and, and, and Andre Villas-Boas, yeah. And you have to it's say not, that, that Frank Lampard crossing London boundaries is something he's had no hesitation of doing earlier in his own career in indeed.
2: Indeed. I I don't think there's necessarily um a massive uh burden of problems with regards to that. I think what Frank would look at is Um, What are my chances of achieving success? How good is the squad currently? How much of a budget do I have to improve the squad um, in certain areas? Because the squad is actually full of quality, but maybe not deep enough uh, in terms of uh, challenging for the Premier League title, which we've seen obviously this season and unlikely to make Champions League. But with a low bar, Um, unlike at Chelsea, where they expect success immediately, which is why he lasted only 18 months uh, in that job, then perhaps that could be attractive to him. Uh, Whether Daniel Levy thinks it's worth the risk, well, I don't think Daniel Levy is someone who pays any attention to anyone else's opinion except his own. And if he thinks it's the right thing to do, then he'll pursue Lampard. with regards to Southgate I agree with you um, I think he has an uh, inflated reputation because of England's World Cup semi-final appearance in Russia etc etc but not necessarily the best uh, in terms of proving himself at club management his time in club management has been uh, not star-studded um, and maybe international management has been his forte, given how much time he spent with England under-21s as well as now the national team. He has a contract which takes him through until after the 2022 Qatar World Cup as well. And of course, England effectively have a home European Championship campaign uh, this summer, which many people believe will be the kind of advantage as it was at year 96. Which may actually get them close to winning their first major trophy since 1966. That, of course, has yet to be seen. It would be difficult to to see Southgate leave the job should England get as far as the final uh, of Euro 2020, albeit played in 21. Um, However, uh, his agents um, are also the agents for the um, interesting the England Players Charity. So they have a a very uh, close connection with the FA. Um, And so therefore leaving England uh, may or may not be easier on that basis. However, I think Southgate is a young man still in management with ambitions. Spurs is a club, which I think would be attractive to any coach, to be honest, because they they do have an incredible stadium. They have a very good base support um what they don't have is a huge load of money to invest in the transfer market and that will be problematic because we've seen over the course of this season that they've struggled in certain areas and there are players there who need to be moved on as well and so there needs to be a change uh, both in personnel uh, and certainly in mindset as well with regards to how they move forward. So um, I think the Nagelsmann issue has, has definitely created a huge problem for Levy because he'd set his heart, if you like, on Nagelsmann. Uh, he had been in touch with him several times before Mourinho was even sacked. Um, and now Nagelsmann has decided to go to Bayern Munich. And as I said, you know, Levy really should have been on the uh,
0: lookout for that particular possibility. You's, so you say you say Ian, that Tottenham would be attractive to anyone. Would it be attractive to Brendan Rodgers at present?
2: No, um, I don't think so. I think Brendan Rodgers knows he's on a good thing at Leicester City. They've almost guaranteed their qualification for next season's Champions League. They're in an FA Cup final, uh, which would be an historic achievement should they manage to beat Chelsea, Brendan Rodgers' old club, of course, and. Although Brendan is, as well, someone who is supremely ambitious and very self-confident. Yes, you could argue Spurs are a bigger club than Leicester City, but at Leicester City, he has built a team around existing squad players with additions that he has made. Someone like uh, Timothy Castagna, who scored an incredible goal last night, as well as Nacho as well in the second goal. And you could argue that he's got a better team at Leicester than perhaps he would inherit Spurs. So without money to spend, which it seems is not going to be the case with Spurs unless they sell, um, then another year, two years at Leicester, would probably do Brendan more good than jumping ship uh, and going to Spurs this summer uh, in order to try and rescue a club which has been effectively failing uh, for some years even under Pochettino never mind Mourinho Um, and of course that's partly down to the fact of the cost of the stadium build because they don't have the budget to buy the very best players in so they're looking at second tier players who they hope will develop into very very good first tier players so I, I wouldn't rule out with Brendan because you know he shot Celtic fans when he, he left in the middle of the 9 a season season um, and went to Leicester City. And as I said, he is very, very ambitious. Again, like Southgate, he's still a relatively young manager as well and wants to achieve his ambitions. But I think with Leicester, he feels quite settled. Uh, having spoken to him a few times uh, recently, he appreciates what, what he's got and I think he, as a manager, is learning that sometimes the grass is not greener on the other side. And if things are going well where you are, maybe just stick, stick with it and see what you can achieve. And, um, and then, once you've done that, then think about the move.
1: Okay, from new managers in the Premier League to new owners now as we head to the south coast for some news. Duncan, you've been telling us for some time about interest in Southampton, as the Chinese owners there look to move on. And you have a story about a man with top-level European ownership experience who's made an offer to take control.
0: Yeah, we reported over a year ago in this podcast that um, the current owner or majority owner of of Southampton, Gao Jisheng, had placed his controlling stake in Southampton on the market um, under pressure of finances and also under pressure of something that's become more intense in China of late, that the Chinese government wanted money withdrawn from European football and also football in general. We've just seen Suning, one of the biggest Chinese um, companies, retail companies, fold the Chinese champions um, uh, just a few months after they won the title for the first time and put um, Internationale on sale. Um, uh, which was a huge investment on their part. Um, So that that it's been on the market for over a year. A lot of people have taken a look at it. Um, Gao was asking for around £250 million, basically wanted to take the money he'd put into the club and get back out without uh, making a loss. No one has touched it at that price. Um, My understanding is that Gerard Lopez, who was... The owner of uh, Lille until recently um, and previously the owner of the Lotus Formula One team um, has made an examination of the books, looked at the quality of players at the club and uh, made an offer that would be worth just over half what Gau has been asking um, for Southampton. Um, Since... The club has been on the market, their fiscal position has deteriorated markedly. Uh, if you look at the 2019-20 accounts, financial year accounts, um, there's an after-tax loss of £62.4 million, with turnover following to £126.6 million. Worse, the club's gross debt almost trebled to £91.5 million. And the majority of that was a result of a a massive loan that they took on from MSD UK Holdings, which is one of Michael Dell's companies in which he's put money into football, also involved in the takeover of of Burnley. Um, Again, something we reported first in the Transfer podcast that Southampton needed to get money in to get liquidity to pay the players' salaries at the end of last season. They ended up taking £78.8 of a loan from MSD. Um, that loan is repayable in 2025. If you want a sense of how pressured they were in taking that loan, the interest rate on it is 9.14%, which is absolutely stratospheric in the current uh, marketplace for loans. Um, So the guidance I have is that um, Gao is probably unlikely to take that offer, but he does have it on the table from Lopez, who was very successful at Lille. he hired Luis Campos uh, to be in charge of the transfer structure there, taking him from Monaco. They made some ex- extremely good signings, made a huge amount of profit in the transfer market. Finished second to Paris Saint-Germain, making it to the Champions League um, last or uh, well, two seasons ago. Um, were on course, had a good chance of getting Champions League football again last season until COVID intervened and they went into the last weekend of, of fixtures in, in the in the French league a point ahead of Paris Saint-Germain um, and have a chance of, of even supplanting a team who have um, considerably more revenue and a, a much higher salary um, as French uh, title holders this season. Um, if he were, if Gao was to accept the bid, it would be a takeover that would be scrutinised by the Premier League. Um, you would have to get through the owners and directors test, and I think there's a lot more attention on that now after Saudi Arabia's failed attempt to purchase Newcastle United, and and I think also because of what the Big Six have done um, with their Project Big Picture and Super League uh, attempts to to change the face of Premier League football. There's a lot of pressure from. Commentators and from some people in the game, and I think you have the UK government riding the bandwagon as well of of being more circumspect about people who are allowed to buy Premier League clubs. So I think that going forward is going to make any takeover a little bit harder to complete um, for people making bids like Gerard Lopez.
1: Fascinating, Duncan. We are going to move on now to Manchester United and Bruno Fernandes, who has been an absolute revelation for United since arriving in that bargain deal for, from Sporting. And the club are sure to want to tie him down for an even longer contract than the one that they currently have, which expires in 2025. How do you reckon that's going to go for them, Duncan?
0: Well, yeah, you're right. He's rapidly established himself as the most important player at the club. He's central to the way Solskjaer sets his team up, given a free role, encouraged to take risks on the ball and try and set up those, those counter-attacks that are so fundamental to um, the way Solskjaer plays against most um, strong opponents. Um, there's been suggestions that United would be trying to tie him down to a longer contract. He's, as you say, he's contracted until 2025, he's 26 years old, but I'm, I'm told there have been no talks at all on a new deal. And interestingly, that, that Fernandes' position is that he wants to wait um, before getting involved in contract talks. And what he wants to wait on is to see what Manchester United do to the squad this summer and going forward. Um, I think you can see from the way that Fernandes plays, you can see from the way he talks, that winning is of fundamental importance to him. He gets deeply frustrated when things go wrong on the field. Um, Yeah, he's on record recently as talking about what is now the Manchester United's longest run without a trophy for over three decades as saying, we can't think of anything else at this club apart from winning. United is made for trophies and the whole mood is around that. We reached the semis and lost to City, but that's not enough. That wasn't our time. We need to be in finals and win them. So he has this desire to be at the very top of the game. He wanted to go to Manchester United. He took advice from Cristiano Ronaldo. He had Barcelona making a, a late attempt to sign him, and but he he wanted out Sporting at the time. The offer was on the table from from Manchester United. That point, something again that we we broke a lot of stories on on the transfer window podcast when the the deal happened and gave you a lot of details on the negotiation process and how United ended up basically paying what Sporting had asked for him, but he also sees himself, and I think he he has demonstrated that he deserves to be at one of the top clubs in the world. And um, Manchester United should be one of the top clubs in the world, based on the revenue. But based on performances, they haven't been there for some time now. And um, and I I think it's interesting, but not entirely surprising, that Fernandes wants some demonstration that they can get there, that the, the Glazers... Um, that whoever the new chief executive to replace Ed Woodward is, that the new um, director of football structure the club have put in place are going to improve the squad again this summer and take the second place that they're likely to finish with this season and build a team that can compete for the title. And and one of the players that he likes and would prefer to see staying there is Paul Pogba, um, which again is... Very open as to whether Manchester United are able to tie a player who Fernandez rec- recognizes as having elite qualities in some areas of his game um, to a new contract there.
2: Be strange um, Duncan, in the sense that United could lose their best player because there'd be no shortage of suitors if Fernandez made himself available, albeit obviously through his agent. And under the radar, um, United fans would be even more irate than they are already <laughs> with regards to the ownership of the club, should Fernandes' future be in doubt, because he has quickly established
0: himself. I don't think they're at risk of losing him. I think what, are, what is more problematic is keeping him happy. United don't need to sell and I, I for all the way that Fernandes is as, a, as an individual it's quite hard to see him forcing his way out of the club in the in the way that Paul Pogba has tried to do um he's had doubts about the the path the club has taken and what they're doing on the field during his time here but he's responded by trying to drag them along and you know present in that the, the this Premier League season, he has 16 goals and 11 assists in, in 33 Premier League matches. So his instinctive pattern seems to be to try his best on the field, but that doesn't mean you can't have background issues if they're um, if they don't satisfy him in terms of personality. Plays alongside.
1: News out of Old Trafford yesterday, of course, was that Eric Bi signed a new contract with the club. Duncan. It- Is that going to be a a help for Bruno Fernandes? Is he someone that the Portuguese will see as a player that can take United to the next level?
0: Look, I think Eric Bailly being retained at Manchester United is a positive for the club. Um, We have talked about the issues that that have been going on in the background during these uh, extension talks, that Bailly has been frustrated with Solskjaer's selection policy this season and uh, wanted to see that he got more playing time can tell you that that period in which um, there was doubts over whether he would take the new contract resulted in another round of negotiations and by ended up getting um, superior terms off the back of it and in particular some uh, loyalty payments um, dependent on appearances the dates of those um, were brought forward um, and essentially you'll get paid more money sooner on the deal which um, which takes some uh, till 2024 with Manchester United holding an option for a further year it's obviously a positive if you retain a player of his potential and I think with Bay you have to say it's still potential because he's still I think only on 100 games across his, um, his uh, five seasons at the club being hampered massively by injury and also been hampered by Solskjaer pre- bringing Harry Maguire in on a, on a world record transfer fee and very high wages and preferring um Victor Lindelof as the partner I think what a lot of people who watch Manchester United would want to see is that on top of having Bailly there they go and sign another high quality center back to improve their options in that area it's clear that it's a weakness in the team the weakness is is fundamentally i think down to Harry Maguire his lack of pace and the, and his his issues positionally which forces the team to play very deep from the back. Um, if you bring in a better centre-back, and, and Solskjaer has been asking for that, Solskjaer has been telling people he trusts in the media, such as Gary Neville, that he wants a, uh, a, a higher uh, quality centre-back, a faster um, centre-back who's good on the ball in. Um, if they do that in tandem with Baye then certainly that's a plus for people like Bruno Fernandes who are looking for a better squad. question is whether they do that now. Again, and I think everything we look at in the transfer market has got to be in the context of these clubs like Manchester United thought they were going into a Super League this summer. They thought they were going to have €3.5 billion of extra cash split out amongst them to invest in transfers uh, and salaries. And that money is gone now. Um, so the planning that was being made conditional on a big budget has to readjust to uh, the reality of where football is at present and we've seen the way the Glazers have acted in the past and the history of it has been very clear when they have what is perceived as a relatively good season and this is being sold as a relatively good season likely finishing second to Manchester City when they get into the Champions League their tendency is to cut back on spending and say, that's good enough for us, thank you, that keeps the profits rolling, that allows us to carry on making the dividend payments, the kind of things that the, the Glazers Out um, group uh, protested about against again mm. this past weekend, um, at flying a, a plane over Leeds United's stadium, um, saying $2 billion stolen, Glazers Out, and uh, it's putting a message out that you are not welcome in Manchester. Enough is enough. It's too late for apologies. Your time is up. Um, I don't see that changing from the Glazers. So odd, odd, Duncan,
2: that Woodward would give um, or at least sign off a new contract for buy when he knew nothing about the ESL.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. Um, uh, yeah, it all caught <laughs> Woodward by great surprise, and um, he he didn't know the Super League was coming along, and it played no part in his planning for. Uh, the current season and uh, for the next season and uh, the years going forward. It's, it was just coincidental that he attended meetings with uh, with heads of other clubs involved in the Super League. You were just having I'm coffee. taking sarcasm here.
2: <laughs> you might be. Um, I I was speaking to um, a friend in contact at Real Madrid uh, yesterday um, and asking about uh, Rafael Varane and his situation at the Santiago Bernabeu. And it seems that at 27, um, they're not willing to give him the contract that he is asking for, which is substantial in terms of payment, Um, even though, uh, obviously, they will have to replace Sergio Ramos sooner rather than later. And he told me that Manchester United had expressly said that they wanted to be kept uh, up to date with that status in uh, Varane's future. I just wonder about Eric Bay signing a new contract because you've got Lindelof Maguire by Phil Jones, who's obviously the best defender at the club. And um, if Varane comes in, then it seems to me that Bay's playing time is not necessarily going to increase regardless of how good he plays.
0: Yes, and, and that's the question, Marcus. Do the Glazers then commit to taking someone like Varane from Real Madrid at huge cost to to improve the squad. If you're looking for the type of defender that Solskjaer is asking for, um, Varane's probably just about top of the market in terms of uh, established qualities and uh, his characteristics as a player. But are they ready to do that? I mean, Baye, interestingly enough, um, we can tell you, was uh, was of interest to Tottenham Hotspur for next season if um, he didn't sign that new contract if Manchester United had gone down a different route and if they were able to offload Davinson Sanchez Um, but as we talked about in the podcast um, when we were discussing Bayes' situation the question mark is would Manchester United sell for an accessible price would they sell to um, a direct rival in a domestic league and Um, would Tottenham be able to pay any more than than Manchester United are able to pay albeit without that guarantee that um, you get much playing time
1: Okay, we've touched on the situation with the Glazers and the protests that are obviously going on at Manchester United with more scheduled, I think, for this weekend Another man under a little pressure to say the least is Stan Kroenke at Arsenal The fans really aren't happy over his running of the club over the last few years and obviously... The club's involvement in the European Super League. Ian, what's the latest on that?
2: Well, it's certainly true what you say, Johnny, with regards to what the fans think. But Stan Kroenke, much like um, Avram and Joe Glazer, uh, don't spend much time in England, um, are effectively tone deaf to fan opinion and protest, despite their um affirmations in recent days in the in the fallout of the ESL debacle that they need to communicate better and uh, talk to fans and get their points of view um what's interesting of course this week is the um intervention of the co-founder of Spotify and CEO Daniel Ek who is Claimed to be an Arsenal fan since he was a child, obsessed with Arsenal, we're told. Although I'm not sure how many times he's travelled from his home in Sweden to, uh, to the Highbury or the Emirates uh, to watch a game uh, when he was that age. But let's not be too cynical about it. I spoke to one of the people very close to um, the bid, if you like, which has yet to go in for Arsenal. And they told me that um, uh, having spoken to Eck at length, they believe his intentions are uh, very much realistic and also honourable with regards to investing in Arsenal. And that uh, despite the fact that his personal fortune would not allow him um, to buy Arsenal out complete, if you like, So, there would be uh, a majority level of leverage buyout via loans with a cash injection from him uh, personally as well, which is not unusual. That's um, a normal way of doing business in these situations. But that Kronka has no intention to sell Arsenal. He uh, believes that despite the. Humiliating defeat of the ESL project in the last uh, seven, eight days, that European football will change in the next year, two years. It is inevitable that there will be um, a different structure. And of course, what we know is that if an ESL did come to pass, then the value of the English clubs involved would multiply by at least three, maybe four times overnight because of the guaranteed revenue over the course of every given season in, the, in a European Super League. Um, now, Kronka is a businessman, the Glazers are businessmen, as is Joe Lewis, as is a Roman Abramovich, etc, etc. So, this is the reason why they want to hold on to their ownership and their shares. Because, of course, these billionaires own 100% of the clubs. There is no other shareholder who has any control over saying yes or no to a takeover or yes or no to a place in the, a European Super League. Uh, and, of course, as we've spoken in the podcast many times before, there is another big payday coming, and that's when. Um, technology realises real-time streaming for matches when you can sell your games to an individual user for a dollar, two dollars, whatever, meaning that you can make more money in one Sunday afternoon game against a big rival than uh, you would make in six months of the collaborative agreement currently in place with broadcasters via the Premier League collective. So, um, moving Stan Kronka out of Arsenal is going to be very, very difficult. It would only be realistic should he think that, oh, it's just become too much hassle for me and I can't be bothered. But have you spoken to two people who um, have... A good relationship with Stan Croncker's son, Josh Croncker, who, of course, is one of the lead administrators at Arsenal FC. Um, they say that uh, Josh is very enthusiastic, very committed, loves being involved, um, sees it as his kind of vocation, if you like, um, to take the club forward with his father's uh, both financial and emotional investment so that they can um, make Arsenal successful in terms of trophies again. I'm not convinced by either argument, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but I'm, I'm not convinced by Daniel Eck either. I think if you're going to take over a football club, the last thing you do is go on Twitter and advertise it, because you're effectively just pushing the price up <laughs> by making it public. I can see what he's doing in terms of the PR side. He's trying to get Arsenal fans excited and get them supporting him. Um, these are the same Arsenal fans who were hanging an effigy of Stan Cronkirk uh, outside of the Emirates Stadium last Sunday. Um, therefore, hoping that he can make a point in terms of uh, favouritism with the fans and try to get them on his side so that they will try and force Cronkirk into a sale. But Kroenke is not that kind of person. He is stubborn. He is pragmatic, and also he's interested in profit. So therefore, um, as much as the romanticism of having a tech billionaire uh, interested in buying your club, I just don't think that this is the time that it's going to happen. I'd be very surprised if Kroenke conceded in this, unless of course he was made an offer he can't refuse, in which case the business brain takes over and you say, yeah, why not? I might not get any more money than this in the future anyway. So therefore, I mean, Arsenal currently value, their cap value is around £1.5 billion. So let's say for some reason, uh, Danielek raised £3 billion to buy it, twice the, the current capital value. Then... Yes, you've got a serious decision to make, but I don't see that being the case. And yes, enlisting the um, names of Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, Dennis Bergkamp, as part of his campaign to um, make the takeover is uh, a very, very shrewd move from Eck and also obviously one which pleases the fans. If they think those legends are going to be involved, although I'm not sure at what level they would be anyway. None of them have business experience um, and it doesn't look to me like anyone are going to be managing Arsenal anytime soon either. But still, that's where we are with it. I think it will basically be a little bit of pie in the sky and it will simply fade into the ether um, over the next few weeks uh, until such time that uh, there's another crisis at Arsenal
0: or indeed... Another ESL type situation, which is being discussed. Well, we know what Spotify's business model has mainly been about, and that's buying assets on the cheap. And, um, you know, Arsenal probably looks like a bit of a distressed asset at present, but I think you're right to highlight that Kronke does not expose himself. He's very experienced in this field, he has taken flack at his other sporting investments. He and his wife are very wealthy. They're not under pressure to sell from that perspective. We, we've seen Alisher Usmanov try to enlist the Arsenal supporters to get rid of Kroenke in the past uh, and say, look, I'm going to put a lot more money into this team and I'm going to turn it into Champions League winners again. And, and I, to be fair, I think Usmanov would have done exactly that had he been able to get control from what I hear he is sitting on a, a a massive pile of wealth and is quite happy to spend it on football for the glory of winning titles in the way that that Roman Abramovich did. But Usmanov failed and was forced to go and buy Everton instead. Um, the Cronky, as you say, Josh Cronky has got himself involved in the in the active running of the club, so I think that has to to run its course. Um, maybe he'll manage to to accelerate the course by carry on talking about building bridges of trust plank by plank as he did last week and apologising for the the Super League bid. But uh, essentially you're, you're looking at something where you have to get the Cronkies to change their mind. They've faced external pressure from the supporters before. It will be a, a business decision. And as you say, Ian, down the line you can wait and 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 weight on the changes in European football, the new Champions League system that UEFA brought in will send more money um, towards these big clubs assuming Arsenal can qualify themselves for it it is a kind of de facto Super League in its structure uh, as Roger Mitchell pointed out in this podcast last week um, but just one where UEFA retains the the management control um, I think the only thing that makes the Cronkies move out is, as you say, it, it's a bid so large that from a business perspective, um, they can't help but uh, decide to take it. Or the, there is substantial monies needed to invest in another area of their business. And they make the calculation that the, uh, the return um, over the next five to 10 years in Arsenal is not sufficiently um, exciting. Uh, that it'd be better shifting their money elsewhere I think
2: the only way they get rid of San Cronky is to make him walk the plank Duncan <laughs> never mind build, build the bridge
1: Guys um, we've got Macy left to talk about but I have got about 8 minutes before my Sure um, That's I'm all actually right. be- so us so we it just quickly. leave that is that ok,
2: okay. Oh, No we can, do, we can do it very quickly it's just, we can do it in one minute um, okay. Johnny and then we'll just do hero and villain yeah
1: ok Okay, before we get on to um, the heroes and villains segment, Ian, you've got a little newsline on Lionel Messi, which which now must be the transfer saga of the decade, given how much has been reported on potential moves in and out uh, of Barcelona, where he has obviously made himself an icon. What's happening there?
2: Well, thanks for diminishing the story there, Johnny. That was good of you. <laughs> a little, a little newsline uh, concerning the best player in the world. Uh, yes. Uh, Leo Messi and his father George, who obviously acts as his agent, um, have now opened uh, renegotiations with Barcelona regarding a new contract. His contract expires this summer. Um, what I can tell you is that the offer uh, currently is for around uh, 60% of his current basic salary, which at 33% um, is probably not the worst given the money he earns in excess of €500 million a week. Uh, But with bonuses built in uh, to make that up, uh, Joan Laporta, the re-elected president, um, is keen to keep him. There is a possibility, uh, obviously, if uh, PSG are willing to sell Neymar, who have put a um, deadline on negotiations over his new contract, in place because they want to know so they can plan for next season uh, Neymar has to make his mind up about coming back to Barcelona um, and whether or not Barcelona can afford that is another thing as well so um, blow for Manchester City who are still very keen on signing him uh, however I think we've all seen in recent games uh, and on the field, off the field Messi uh, basically getting his mojo back uh, linking up with Griezmann uh, very well, which wasn't the case before, and with Pedri as well. So I believe that uh, those negotiations have so far been positive. However, there's a long way to go with regards to actually getting to a point where Messi might sign. But of course, as we have done in the past, we will keep you up to date and we will be first with the news before it becomes news on the Transfer Under podcast.
1: When I said we when I said little, I was really meaning we and it was a, it was a link to just the diminutive stature of Lionel Leo, as a player, not in so don't don't think I was trying to do it down yet. I would never do, do, ever Do you that.
2: do you bleep when you go backwards like that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, probably <laughs> um, right. I think that <laughs> that means it's time for the heroes and villains segment now, as our top team pinpoint the individuals that either got their gander up or left them clapping in admiration over the weekend. Ian, you're first. Let's be hearing about your hero.
2: Well, I'm loving this story. Um, it's about left field, um, and I'm not talking about the band. Uh, an Israeli referee who has undergone um, uh, trans-surgery. Uh, so she has, he has gone from Sagui Berman to Sapir Berman. Uh, she is the first Israeli referee in the top flight, and she had a press conference to announce her sex change and is still employed by the Israeli FA as a referee. But her courage in coming out and declaring herself as well as the fact uh, that the Israeli FA have retained her, because you can imagine the kind of abuse, stroke, criticism she might get in a very masculine environment for what she's done. But um, so my uh, hero of this week is Sapir Berman uh, for her courage and her commitment to who she is
0: and what she represents.
1: And, Donkey, who is your
0: villain? A uh, villain of the week would be Pep Guardiola. Um, Guardiola... Not
2: for winning a trophy? <laughs>
0: not for winning a trophy. In, in the build-up build to the trophy after a, a very angry press conference um, when he talked about the Super League and, uh, and talked about the Premier League and how everyone was out for themselves and uh, how the 14 clubs had forced him and the top coaches not to go through a season with only three substitutes in the Premier League, five substitutes. He was um, quoted as saying, um, I'm sure we could do more racism in other societies. Other issues in society could be improved like human rights. People in many cases show the values. Sometimes we react for a football issue differently to the human rights. Better societies. Sometimes we are not so committed like we are sometimes in football. Remarkable that Pep Guardiola is talking about human rights again. Um, We saw what happened last time um, and uh, the press conference he had to give after one of his his cup final wins. Um, This is a man who uh, is working and has his position and has the opportunity to to win a treble this season off the back of working for Abu Dhabi, fronting Abu Dhabi in their football endeavour which is being used to sports wash the country's human rights record. He has also in the past um, represented Qatar and uh, been an ambassador for for their World Cup, which is, again, very questionable in that area. So I think a a clear villain of the week for um, talking about human rights and people placing football more above human rights when um, that seems to be what he's done on more than one occasion.
1: Poor Pep. If he's uh, feeling bad about being branded a villain, he can always go away and polish one of his many donkeys. I'm sure he's been awarded over the last uh, (laughs) few months. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I think it's... it's, it's,
2: it's, It is Oscars week, Johnny. Indeed,
1: indeed. Uh, And and, uh, given that, um, I I think... uh, Pep's going to be fine, let's be honest, he's got, he's got plenty of uh, bobbles to keep him happy. But uh, that's, that's it from us, let's slam this transfer window shut and you didn't bring me back for such lazy half-beat cliches I know, but nonetheless I'm going to use them. If you love the podcast, and we know that many thousands of you do, please do us a turn and give us a five-star review on your platform of choice as this helps the dulcet tones of Duncanian Ian reach as many listeners as possible. To continue the debate, we are across social media on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Transfer Podcast. Duncan, of course, is at Duncan Castles and Ian is embracing his roots as Hungarian royalty at (laughs) Garbosz. Don't forget you can listen and watch the podcast on YouTube and if that's your preferred way of keeping up with all the latest transfer news, you can find us there and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. This has been the news before it becomes news. The boys will be back on Friday for your next fix. So until then, thanks for listening.